I will this to be, and in this blessing I am free. Make all spirits subject unto me. Hello, I'm your grave robbing mages, Dara Daza Crowley. Alright, lads, Lee here. I'm just up at me nanny's grave. <laughs> and welcome to the Hocus Hole. How, how's your nanny doing? She's in the casket. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. Is it comfortable? Uh, I know I'm not in it, I mean. Fair. How you're you're going to teach me how to ask her. Yeah, well, that's what today's episode's all about. We're going to be talking about necromancy. Which, do you know anything about necromancy from, like, films or books or games or anything like that? Zombies. Just zombies? Well, just bringing people back to life and all that. And, and like, ba- basically my whole idea of it is you just you take a dead body and, you're like, right, come back to life and do this for me. Yeah, kind of pretty much the gist of it. Yeah. Um, only... Oh, that's the podcast? Well, that's it. That's all what necromancy was. Yeah, I was right. Um, no, yeah, I kind of wanted to do necromancy just because, as, by the way, this podcast is all about, you know, democratizing ideas of magic. The, as you know, if you've listened to the introductory episode. If you didn't go back and listen to that first. Yeah. Because you'll have no fucking clue what's going on here. Yeah, well, each episode... I'm going to be talking about the occult and going to be telling Lee about the different concepts in the occult and of magic and stuff because I have it's just something I've always been interested in and I practice and uh, and I'm going to be seeing how frustrated I can make Derek. Yeah, pretty much. It's going to drive me insane. We're going to talk about the history of necromancy. Then we're going to talk about kind of the different how it developed over time and stuff. And then we're going to talk about like maybe a little bit of experience is that I've had with it. And disclaimer, this isn't some Birkin hair shit. I, I have not actually anything I say or yeah, I'm never con I'm not confirming or denying anything I've done here. Okay. Dara allegedly brought loads of people back to life and caused COVID. Anyway, will we dive right into it? Yeah, let's go. You ready? Buckle the fuck up. Well before we get into a specific definition of necromancy Generally, necromancy is talking to the dead. The idea of talking to the dead has been around in, like, since people were dying. You know what I mean? Since the very first person that died, the whole idea that someone has gone, the whole idea that we can still talk to them has always existed. Imagine being the first person that died. Yeah, where's that? Where's that Guinness World Book record? Like, imagine being with the person, first person that died. Like, you're the one that stayed alive, and you're just like, John, what the fuck are you doing? Get up! What are you what, doing? What, Don't what, be lying what, on what the ground. Why? 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 are you so cold? It's fucking thirty degrees. What? Only animals die. Gobshite. Yeah. I'd, so every culture at some point had some form of ancestry worship. Okay. So the idea of worshipping people who had gone before you, you know what I mean? So you're it could be someone it doesn't necessarily have to be your nanny or a granddad. It could just be someone who was like really important in the community, do you know what I mean? Like uh someone who was I don't know, they were the baker of the community, they were the hunter of the community, do you know what I mean? Someone integral to the community structure. Or it could just be a family member. You know, but normally it's kind of a lot of cultures. It started off with they had some important role in the in that society. 
um but a lot of shamanistic and like um animistic um the the idea of animism is that everything has a soul so like rocks trees your chair your shoes yeah um a lot of religions still today a lot of pan-african religions um like santeria um voodoo and they see the idea of ancestry worship because it's not just the idea of like your your uncle joe dies you know and you're like all hail uncle joe you're worshiping uncle joe it's more so the worship part i suppose it's still really like embracing them and kind of like like literally going to remembering them and having good memories about these people who've passed on but a lot of the worship part is actually to do with gods because a lot of different religions and belief systems that have ancestry worship the whole idea of dead ancestors is them as a go-between gods and to me this actually makes a lot of sense because gods aren't human beings you know what i mean they're divine their whole point of a god is that they're beyond human so how are they going to know what we want yeah you know what i mean so the whole idea is like uncle joe so you go up to uncle joe's grave or whatever you you're talking to Uncle Joe, and be like, Uncle Joe, mind going up to the G.O.D. fella? Make an appointment there for us. Yeah, make an appointment there, and you explain to the G.O.D. fella about my problem. Like, only a human can understand human behaviour. the Native Americans, with the way they obviously they worship their former tribe leaders and stuff like that, that's technically necromancy, is it? As they're speaking to the dead. No, it's not. We're going to get there. Um... Ancestry worship is kind of like the blueprint for necromancy. Right. You know, it, it all goes full circle. But this idea of the divine and the dead and the whole idea of their connection between one another, that pops up again in, like, even further, further back in um, ancient Mesopotamia. So you have the, the Babylonians, which they're going to be coming up on the podcast a lot. The mad lad. You the Babylonians. Yeah, Babylonians are mad for the hell magic. Um, but so they believe that if this is actually like I actually have in my notes here, just in brackets, metal because this is metal. The Babylonians believe that <laughs> human beings are made up of clay and blood of slain gods. Right. How cool is that? Oh god! They believe that this blood of the slain gods, right? That kind of it animated this, these clay bodies that are the human beings we are now. This, it was kind of like a perilous divine essence, but an essence of the God nonetheless. And that was known as, and this is going to be the first in this episode of many pronunciations of words from dead languages I'm going to butcher. Etimu, that's probably not right, but etimu, so that literally means spirit. And because that, that was the first kind of instance, like it's written down in ancient Sumerian on tablets and all, that was the first kind of instance of obviously people have been believing this for forever but that was the first kind of evidence that people did believe that a, a part of the soul survives beyond physical death and travels to the the underworld and their logic is well it's a part of a god so of course they were going to do that you know what i mean yeah um you follow me so far yeah that makes sense what about you audience you you still here and that's where we kind of get to the whole idea of summoning spirits. You know what I mean? It's like, of course we're going to be able to summon them. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's, their logic was, it's a godly thing. Just like we can pray to gods and gods have power. 
we can harness that power for our own use. So it's a very human thing, isn't it? Taking something and be like, yeah, right, exactly. I'm gonna, I mean, I'm gonna that's exert the, power over this now. The law of nature, I suppose. Um, yeah, Babylonian magicians known as Manzazu. Someone needs to make a heavy metal occult band called Manzazu. Um, but yeah, there's evidence on different tablets and stuff of them, um, rising up spirits as spies and the basically many just spying on their enemies and stuff like that. So we we go further up the timeline now, um, and all over the ancient world, like I'm talking everywhere, like Egypt, Greece, Rome, Scandinavia, like the whole idea of raising the spirits of the dead to gain knowledge is is becoming pretty popular. And this is where the title of the episode comes from. This is where necromancy comes from. So necromancy actually comes from the word necromantia. Mantia meaning um it's the Greek word for to divine. So you know like pyromancy, yeah. aeromancy, all different ways of like divinity. Like fire air. Yeah, you little fire bug. Um shout out to all the pyromaniacs out Yo. there. Woo test some fires. Um <laughs> Please don't. We do not endorse arson on this podcast. But yeah, so the Greek word necrosi, which basically means corpse, and mantia, which is divine, um, that kind of got mixed up together. Um, and then basically just means that corpse divine, using corpses, the dead, to tell the future. You know, but it's a lot more. As we're going to see it's a lot more than just telling the future. Now, later on, we will see that a lot of medieval texts and stuff like that, and a lot of necromancy is just the idea of, like, it's just generally evil magic. Yeah, necromancy often gets confused in medieval literature with this thing called necromancy. kind of means black divination. We'll see later on that it was to do with Christianity, but that's kind of a lot of modern occultists now will kind of see necromancy as summoning demons, you know what I mean? Like, different dark entities and stuff who are actually not dead spirits but they appear as dead spirits yeah going back to actually talking to dead people so as i was saying all over the world there's an idea of this thing called nikaya it's a greek cult practice which is basically conversing dead to see the future which is basically what necromancy is first mentioned by homer not homer simpson um but the odyssey you're familiar with the odyssey i am oh yeah are you actually yeah, I know. I know Homer's Odyssey. I know, oh, I know. Yeah. I've never read it, but I know what it is, and I know the basic premise of it. Yeah, it's a heavy read. <laughs> um, but the so that was kind of like the first kind of um, as much as it was a cult practice, it's also like in a lot of plays and a lot of it's a it's a um a trope in Greek literature, let's say. So Homer was an occultist. Um. No, he wasn't, but it's just because the Odyssey borrows from a lot of mythology at the time. You know? Fair. Um, but there is evidence in Greece that people were practicing, like, Nikaia. Um, and basically, like, there was, like, entire cities that had little areas dedicated to this. Like, this is such a cool name. The Necromantion of... The Necromantian of Acheron, um, that was in the region of Arepsis, um, and people actually believed that was the 
the doors of the underworld. Imagine waking up one day and just like, yeah. oh, I'm just heading down to the Necromantion. You know, um, yeah, I'll see you there. You you got you floating Necromantion later. Two demons, that two spirits, two spirits. Just gonna talk to just slip through the doors of the underworld. You know, just gonna say what's up to Hades. Um, oh, we'll get to him. Well, well, they would have all been obviously worshiping worshiping the Greek gods at that point, would they? Yeah. Um. So you have kind of the Hellenistic deities, um, like Teutonic deities and stuff. So deities that are um to do with the underworld and to do with like death. Um, or they could just sometimes there's connections between Earth deities and death because you go in the ground when you die i mean yeah um and a lot of those temples were actually dedicated to those kind of gods um and we come back to gods again glad you mentioned that about the divine the dead and stuff when we go back to and this is what i've talked about my favorite example of, i think it's so cool um of like archaeological evidence for magic yeah so there's these things called curse tablets um that's just kind of, it's not an English translation. They're just called Curse Tablets, but the actual name for them is the Fixiones. There's no English equivalent. Um, but the Fixiones were, the Fixiones were lead tablets with instructions and they had like little messages um, carved on them. And they kind of like, they could be dedicated to, they were basically lead tablets, um, sometimes clay, but most of the evidence have been found that they've been lead tablets, that they had instructions for the dead on them. You know what I mean? It was literally just like leaving a note out for a dead spirit. But sometimes they'd be dedicated to different gods, you know, like um death deities. Where was I? Sorry. Yeah, death deities and stuff. Um, They would be like planted in the walls of, they've been found in the walls of certain um temples dedicated to certain gods um wells or places like for dedicated to a certain river spirit or whatever but the most common place they would have been found is graves grave sites normally the graves of soldiers um the graves of people who have died quite violently and they'd have like a task on it so i actually have a really interesting example i, I would be um, human what you mean, Fium? What would you be doing? If I died and woke up and I was like, right, here's a list of tasks for you. Someone's trying to get you to do something. I'd be fuming. Dead. I'd be fuming. No rest for the wicked. Honestly. No wonder. No wonder there's dark spirits out there. I'd be a dark spirit. Because if I woke up and I was dead and there was a whole list of tasks there, I was like, right, I'm going to. Where do I sign up for the evil side? Where do I fuck some shit up? Where do I become a poltergeist? Just because someone tried to get you to do a job, you owed them. They put you in the ground and all. What do we owe them for? You need to pay back Jennings. Jennings That's their job. I'm dead. I'm relaxing. I have a good example. So, a lot of the time, like a lot of magic, you know, like what sets magic apart from mysticism. So mysticism is the inward path. You know, mysticism is all about expanding your inner, inner consciousness. But magic's all about like, Fuck inner consciousness. I want some booty. You know what I mean? Magic's not all about like wanting something, like being practical. You know what I mean? Using your will and these supernatural forces to get something, to get something tangible, tangible results. Um, 
and the Fixiona is a great example of this because people will literally use these spirits, often spirits of the dead, like I said, and it could be something like trying to get someone's hand in marriage. Um, there's a so there's a really good example that's found in the Greek magical papyri, which is one of the largest kind of collections of um the use of the Fixiones in the Greek magical papyri. Um, so a magician basically placed. A defixione, it's not very specific, but it's probably in the grave or either a grave site or um a site where multiple people had died because it's references to multiple spirits. But he basically wanted this specific woman. He was he was just desperate for the ride, basically. Right. Fair. A lot of ancient magicians come across as incels, to be honest. You didn't have Tinder back then, so you just had to put a tablet in the grave. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but how desperate do you need to be? Like, he's like, hmm, I could ask her out, but you know what? I'm going to get the spirits of the dead, the haunter, until she, like, <laughs> comes to me. It's the ancient equivalent of being at a fucking teenage disco. So if you're mate here, ask her to meet me, will you? It's like, here, will you meet me, yeah, mate? Yeah, only your mate is you the damn soul of someone. Yeah. Um, but It's much cooler. Yeah, so the specific aim, so it's a quote, so this would have been actually found written under the Fixione. Um, so it had the aim of binding her brain, her hands, and her intestines and genitals and her heart to love me. This guy was not fucking around. Um, I mean, the intestines bit is a bit weird. Yeah, well, it's just the whole idea, like, her very body is, like, bound to him. You know, magicians out there... Erotic magic is not good. You know what I mean? If you're trying... Look, I'm not... I respect the hustle. You know what I mean? Magic has been, like I said, from the dawn of time, it's been about getting booty. You know what I mean? But, like, even if it's metaphysical and stuff like that, always use consent. Don't be an asshole. Don't be using spirits of the dead to try to get people to go out with you. Don't be trying to get people's intestines to love yeah. you. Yeah. Love your own intestines. But yeah, so he actually, he wanted to use, uh, to quote again, the boys who have died, the boys here who have died prematurely. How dark is that? So like, he's, he literally just like, mm, I like this girl. Yeah, she's pretty good looking. I'm going to get these dead children to be like, hey, you have to go out with your man or we're going to keep haunting you. Like, So fucking. Yeah, and with that same one, there was actually um, like, it actually wasn't a tablet. It was a papyrus that was folded up into a clay vessel. Um, yeah. And it was buried um, in the cemetery. Uh, presumably by the grave of some prematurely dead boys. Um, yeah. And beside it, often with defixiones, there was, I can't remember the name of them, but they've been wrongly called voodoo dolls. Not voodoo dolls, but like clay figures depicting the magician having sex with this woman. So he's a, he's a top dog. He has gone up on the, the <laughs> incel tier. He is... I mean, look, it's better than shooting people. <laughs> so, like... I mean... Yeah. Um, But he basically put these clay statues in with the grave, too. You know what I mean? So... And then a lot of the time, a bone or something or graveyard dirt, which you'll find again, is very common in a lot of folk magic. Um, a bone or grave or something from the grave 
was taken to have like a magical link. You know what I mean? It's like taking a bit of hair from someone to have a magical link to the spirit. You know? Right. It's almost like holding a bit of a hostage. It's a bit fucking weird though, isn't it? Oh my god, we're literally yeah, talking about Yeah, but no, like this like specifically being like Right, I want this bitch to love me. Gives a bit your balance. I'm gonna take a bit. Yeah, your well, people use necromancy because there's something more achievable to them. Like, well, I can use the dead because they're like it's basically like ambient energy. What are they doing? You know what I mean? I can use nothing else to be doing. So yeah, exactly. You know, there's nothing else to be doing, and like death is everywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's literally so common. Um, but one of the reasons why I love Victoriones, um, is the fact that it's just it's just like wild evidence that everyone and their nanny's dog was doing magic back in the day. Mad like, for a bit, man. Yeah, like there was roughly over, um, there was roughly over like probably 1,600 Victoriones being found. Um, kind of like, and that's only really like in Greece. That's only in Greece. There's more around the world. Um, but yeah, the cool thing about Victiones is that it shows how prevalent not just magic was, specifically death magic was, like from all different parts of the, the it wasn't just people who, because the idea of them just engraving onto a tablet, it's not just about, it's quite accessible, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So everyone was doing it. You had like the plebeians doing it, you had the priests doing it, everyone from different like emperors, different parts of society, they're all at it, you know, they're all putting, like, desecrating people's graves <laughs> and putting clay in them. Um, Yeah, so, like I said, if, like, the magician who was desperate for the ride, a lot of the time it could just be, like, about summoning dead spirits, but sometimes they'd use a deity, like we were talking about, full circle, like we were talking about the Babylonians, that connection with the gods and the dead being the intermediaries yeah. um but if they were dedicated deities those deities would be like hades um persephone um charon hecate um but th- not only are they sometimes it'd be gods like janus who was a roman god of basically doorways two-faced god normally be any god that had even if it wasn't direct involvement to death it would be like to do a transitional state. And we'll come back to that. So yeah, moving on around the world, we're going kind of nor- yeah, northern Europe. Um, So, Scandinavian have a little bit of necromancy going on for them. So, in a lot of Scandinavian folklore, there's a kind of a, an umbrella term, a variety of kind of undead creatures called Draugr, right? The term kind of Draugr was only really used in me- later medieval texts, which is like retrospective on Scandinavian folklore. Um, but in most in sagas and stuff like that, they would be called, you know, whatever they call them. And like, depending on where it is, because Scandinavia is a massive, you know what I mean? Um, so like in, it might be re- referred to as like a barrow dweller in one language or an again walker in a different other language. Um, but most of the things, even though there's different things that separate them, the main thing that is Draugr's under the umbrella term is that they're reanimated corpses, you know? So now we're kind of moving away from the idea of spirits and stuff and we're talking about physical 
like undead thing. Zombie. A bit like zombies, yeah. So in Iceland, for example, right, and Icelandic magic is so well documented and it's like hardcore, yeah. Um, shout out to I've never been, I'd love to go, but shout out to the Icelandic Museum of Witchcraft Sorcery. I'm constantly on that website. Is that in Iceland? I I hope so. Yeah. yeah, it might not be. It is in Iceland, yeah. It might not be. Where would? Why would it be anywhere else? Why wouldn't it be? Why is there a U.S. embassy in Dublin? Because that's to do with politics, not a fucking museum. Yeah, but you could have a museum for something else, somewhere else. Yeah, but never mind. Yeah, so in Iceland, these draggers are called um, and again, laughable pronunciation, Aftorganga. Aftorganga, um, which means again walker, right? Right. So, um, in Icelandic witchcraft, there's the idea of raising one of these things and Aftorganga, and having to wrestle it to the ground so it follows your commands. That's sick. Yeah. You need to assert your dominance over it. Pretty much. You know what I mean? How heavy metal is that? But um, so in 1652, there was a man named Jean. I'm not even gonna try this. John Rognavaldison. Rognavaldison? That's perfect. Oh, as a native Iceland. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. half Ice. You're half Ice. Icish. Um, Icelandic. Icelandish. <laughs> yeah, so in 1652, a man named John Rag- Um, <laughs> What? I gave an honest attempt. No, it was a great attempt. Um, so he was actually the first man. You're gonna feel in like an asshole for laughing now. He was actually the first man to be burnt alive in the infamous Icelandic witch trials. <laughs> what did he do? Poor El Rogdalsvan. What? What did? He, what did he get burnt for? He was accused of an act of necromancy. And they did do it. I don't know. Probably not. We talked about this. <laughs> and, well, are you telling me like if you? All right, let's hypothetically. Some townspeople came across you, man. What was his name? Ivan Ragnarsson. John Rognald. <laughs> John Rodnaldson. Slowly degrading into just nonsense. John Ronald. Uh, <laughs> um, Ron Jeremy. Ron, yeah. <laughs> so these townspeople came across Ron Jeremy, Icelandic writer Ron Jeremy. And, right, and he's knelt over some dead body in the middle of a field, pissing down raining, and he's wrestling with this dead body, chanting. Like a fucking maniac. Right. Are you telling me that you're one of these townspeople, right? You're not gonna be like fucking fucking the fuck's this this lad on? Yeah, but this is what I'm saying. He probably wasn't even found doing that. They probably either the church or like the townsfolk just didn't like him or they were suspicious of them, so they were like, Ah, must be a witch. Oh well, that's different. No, oh I'm that, saying but that mo- most instances of like which ones are that? You know okay, I mean? well, if it's that, then that's that's poor form from the Icelandic. But the Icelandic, <laughs> if he was found down it, it, it's on him. That's all. He most likely wasn't. All right. Well, if he wasn't, then I'm sorry, John. Ron Jeremy. Um, but yeah, he was basically accused of um raising up this corpse, wrestling it, and basically telling it to go hunt down and kill his enemies. Um, and there's kind of in Icelandic folklore, there's actually different 
and ways to stop a draugr. Iron scissors on the corpse's chest, for example. Twigs hidden in their clothes. Um, there's like a runic binding spell. There's this really cool idea called a corpse door. So it's like they blindfold the corpse. I could be miscoding now, but I'm pretty sure it's like they blindfold the corpse or something. And they basically take it through a secret entrance of the grave. So when they take the blindfold off, the corpse was to come back to life. Like, oh, where am I? I don't know how I got here. I don't know the way out. But yeah, and also sticking pins in corpses' feet. I think it's cool so the corpses can't walk. Like, this is how paranoid these people were. Like, the dead coming back to life. So glad I didn't die back then. I'd be so pissed off. Waking up, getting messages, have pins in your feet, you have twigs on you. The twigs would be annoying too. Yeah, you're just trying to chill in your coffin. Like. Yeah, no, chilling up in heaven, wake up in heaven, you're like, fuck sake, fucking dirt all over me. A lot of ancient form of necromancy anyway. It wasn't all about personal gain. Like I said, a lot, a lot of magic is about personal gain. But sometimes it'll be about, you know, whether it was the defixiones or some sort of form of magic from another part of the world. Um, but sometimes it could be about, you know, helping people who've died young, like, pass on. They died in a violent manner or whatever to help them pass on. Um, a lot of that idea, we see it with Jewish mysticism, early Jewish mysticism, like pre-Kabbalah. Um, the idea of incantation bowls, which are kind of placed in graveyards to kind of help spirits, um, kind of pass on. So they might have, like, a, a Hebrew... They can also be used to bind demons, but mainly they might be buried. The whole idea is like, there's like incantations written around the ball and stuff. And that brings us to Abrahamic religion. And this is where Old the Testament. Old Testament. Yeah. I know yeah. Abraham. So this is where necromancy really kind of comes into, starts to get mixed up a little bit. So, so in the Old Testament or um more accurately the Hebrew Bible. Um there's a good example of King Saul, he's the first king of Israel, right? He goes to a necromancer called the Witch of Endor. Not I know what you're thinking, not the planet where the Ewoks come from. Endor is an old Canaanite city. Okay. But she wasn't I mean, you can visualize her as a an Ewok if you want. But, um, with the little skull on and stuff I like that. Love, I actually love the idea of that. I love King Saul rocking up to a little Ewok. Yeah. yeah, so he goes to the Witch of Endor and he's like, look, I'm at war at the moment um, and it's not going super great. Do you mind just summoning the owl? Um, Ewoks. Yeah, the owl Ewoks. Do you mind summoning the prophet Samuel there just to tell him, um, like, just so, just so I could get advice, you know? And she basically, you, she does necromancy. It's not really described that much in um, detail, but she raises up um, Prophet Samuel from the dead and Prophet Samuel, won't go into too much, but he basically tells him that he's fucked. But um, yeah, imagine going through all that. And then I know, right? Despair coming up like, yeah, nah, you're done. You're cooked. It's over. Yeah. So from here, we kind of have, we see that it's not a very black and white relationship. Abrahamic religions, especially Christianity and Judaism, they have a kind of tricky relationship with necromancy, like they do with most magic, but especially necromancy. Um, because I mean, Christianity did start off as a death cult, so, um, yeah, really, 
Yeah, you're talking about like ancient Rome and stuff like that. Like you're talking about when Christians were um prosecuted for being Christians when they were captured and put in the Colosseum and just burnt and stuff. They would have been like hanging out in graveyards, meeting up in graveyards at night and like bones of saints, like martyrs who have died for their cause. They were like the original saints and they'd be like worshipping these bones. But like ancient Roman people were like, they have no context for that. So they're just like, what the fuck? They're necromancers like, you know what I mean? So technically, yeah, it kind of started off as a death. I No, that's the kind of Christianity I could have got like that what being sick. being hunted it, until you're dead and then just like oh one of me mates died he gave his life no, for his cause that, like gonna worship a, his femur in a graveyard at midnight fucking yeah it's wearing heavy. some bones i'd it, be well up for that yeah like early christianity is they hardcore were fucking bread on a sunday okay <laughs> we're moving on let's leave the eucharist out of this <laughs> i mean there is that kind of connection though the whole idea of like the blood the, the blood and body of christ they probably had real blood. I don't think it was that metal. Um, but yeah, Christianity has a tricky relationship with kind of raising spirits of the dead. And they kind of, pretty early on, they kind of start shitting on the whole idea. Um, just so they could do what they do best. Scaring people, you know, and scaring people good. They kind of suggest that, like, I use can't, because, like, the whole idea of, like, especially early days, like, we can't have people believing that they can just pluck dead people from the air, do you know what I mean? What about heaven and hell and all? Like, no, you actually aren't summoning dead people, you're actually summoning demons who are in the form of, which is scary if you think about it, it's in, that's not your nanny, that's actually a demon, the form of your dead nanny. Because necromancy was so just common in the ancient world and stuff like that and the whole idea of the of talking to the dead was so it it just made sense you know what i mean because this is where the term necromancer just kind of becomes associated with anyone who summons like demons or whatever or anything that's like kind of magic in general but but mainly like dark magic and that's important and we'll come back to another podcast you know how you're saying about how the Christians were like, ah, that that that's not your nanny, that's a demon. Yeah. Is that where? Because you see, you see this like as a common theme in like horror movies. Exactly. Uh, that's where where that comes it's like, from. the demon will always manifest itself as a little girl or a little kid or something. Is that where like that basis comes from? Kind of. Yeah. It's the whole idea that it was. It was basically just trying to. St- like I said, scare people to stop people from doing it. So it's like, this isn't something familiar. This isn't a dead person. This isn't human. Remember we were talking about the divine wouldn't possibly know what humans would want so they use dead. It's removing that. It's like, there's no human behaviors here. There's no like, relatability with the spirits of the dead now. This is something scary. And that's like the point I was trying to make. This is where that kind of transition is where, now not like there was always a spiritual hierarchy like gods, like different spirits from shamanistic cultures and all. But when Christianity comes along and when they start getting, mixing up necromancy with necromancy and all, it becomes the one thing. This is where the start of the evolution of like demonic magic and um, the Gaucher and the Key of Solomon and all, that's where this all starts to come together. The Christians are Anton LaVey, May rest in peace. The 
um, founder of the church was saying is had a very good saying where he said the devil is the best friend the church has ever had. They kept them in business for all these years. And it's very true when I've it, heard that before. Yeah. It's very true when it comes to magic because yeah. when you tell someone not to do something, they're gonna do they're it. They're gonna do it. And Christianity, woo, they did that a lot, especially with magic. And we'll get to that because some of the biggest necromancers who've ever existed who kind of perpetuated that art form were in fact priests. But we'll get to that. So in Leviticus chapter twenty, verse twenty seven, it reads a man or woman who is a medium or withered shall be put to death. They will, they shall be stoned with their stoned blood shall be upon them. So that goes to show that they're already, you're anyway different, you're getting stoned, not a good way. The first time the word necromancer, and this is where it all kicks off, is kind of mentioned in the Bible, is in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18, verses 10 to 11. It says, there shall be not found among you anyone who burns his son or daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination, a soothsayer, or an augur, or a sorcerer, or a charmer, or a medium, or a wizard, or a necromancer. That's that's the, the big movie title. It's the first time when that word is used in a Christian context. Or it wouldn't be Christian back then, but like in an Abrahamic context. Just in that, or in, in any text? Um, probably in text before that it it'd be their culture's version of it, or like the yeah. original Greece, like um necromantia, necromantia or whatever. Yeah, so you think that would kind of be the end of it, but like I said, it's not. It's not like necromancy equals bad. Completely wrong. A lot of medieval necromancers were actually clerics. There were people in the lower orders of the clergy. Um, because if you think about it, it makes sense because they're the people who had the education, you know what I mean? They could read Latin, they they learned the kind of um the theological context, they would know about demons and all this and the, the spiritual hierarchy and stuff. So it's just equivalent to like having a little side job on the side. Like by day I'm a priest, by night I'm pretty a more it was it was most places illegal, you know what I mean? You could be burned as a witch. But they felt free to do it, you know what I mean? They felt okay doing it because basically they were like, yeah, we're summoning demons, but we're controlling demons under the power of God. Right. So that's all right, you know what I mean? We're not actually fucking with the dead people because they're demons, and we're not evil because we're not going to be tempted by the demons because we have big G.O.D. fella on our side. So, well, that's just a bit of a laugh, basically. Yeah, basically. A lot of the time they were college students and stuff like that, um, experimenting. So we actually know a lot of our information of at least medieval necromancy, um, which is a lot to do with like it, demon summoning and stuff like that. It's like the early basis for that stuff before you get into um before you get into more like Crowley and stuff. We knew that they there was kind of like a, an underground network almost where they would be like sending letters to each other and stuff like that, like. There was an exchange of information there somehow because different texts references other spells and stuff like that, and they're known as the the the, the clerical necromancer underground, which is sounds like a dope band name. But yeah, there's a lot. There's so many books of necromancy out there, but the most notable, the most notable is the Munich Necromancer Manual. And the Medici's um, Necromancer Manual. With the Medici Necromancer Manual, I think it's still in the Vatican Library to this day. Um, there's not actually a lot of Raising of the Dead 
in either of them a lot of the time it's actually the breakdown of like illusionary magic will magic and stuff like that but after their kind of magic sort of gets um a makeover i'm in the renaissance period and necromancy kind of it starts to fade out of the public eye or at least a lot of the spells are they become different things they kind of transmute different stuff the the munich thing the munich book is that actual munich in germany or is it just yeah it it would have been monks in in munich um it has another name like a more active like dsm i can't remember the actual name for it but it's just commonly known as the munich christianity in in germany yeah this would have been um before this would have been pre um lutherism so pre it never necromancy never died um ironically enough yeah um it kind of like this in the 19th century the spiritualism movement came along um and then spiritism movement which we'll do episodes in the future and both of them are different things um but we have you know ouija boards um seances and stuff like that like that all kind of came around and that couldn't have happened you know what i mean like you messing with a ouija board at a sleepover that couldn't have happened without some dirty uh, magician in ancient like greco roman egypt who just had a horn on taking the bones <laughs> of children and putting a clay thing in a grave so every time you mess with a ouija board right every think time you Jeremy. Yeah, every time you go to your nan's grave, right, think of that magician who was using dead people to get a ride. Okay, so, there you've heard the history of necromancy. Have. Like, what do you think? Was it kind of what you were expecting, or? Um, no, it wasn't. Um, the, the whole Christianity thing blew my mind, to be honest, because I didn't really, I wasn't expecting any tie in there. I, I wasn't too shocked with the whole Greek uh greek area but um kind of expect that you know they were mad fuckers back then they were doing everything so um and especially their connection to their gods and everything so you'd expect them sort of to be communicating back and forth and being doing those kind of things um the whole lover thing was weird with the, with the intestines and stuff yeah and yeah. the fact that it went as as far north like a uh, as like Scandinavia, I never really made the connection with with Draugr's and necromancy for like before, but like it makes sense. Like, the, like if you think about, it, I was like, fuck yeah, that is necromancy. That is raising the dead. So fuck. Um. Yeah, it's it's cause that I mean, look, that's when you're scratching the surface. You yeah. You yeah. talk about like different, like nearly every culture has their whole idea of like talking to the dead. You know what I mean? Like we didn't. Again, we'll do it a different podcast, but we didn't even talk about um Vodou. We didn't talk about their idea of zombies and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's definitely more to it. Um, a lot of something that I find interesting is that like a lot of kind of um academics and stuff like that, and like kind of modern magicians today, um, especially um this one of the sources that i was using for this episode um techniques of greek and um, greco-roman magic the author that stephen skinner he actually kind of brought this idea to my mind um i was watching a, a video and he was doing like a talk he was doing about his book um, but a lot of people actually think this a lot of magicians and stuff think that they kind of think that there's not really much use of talking to the dead because they're kind of like 
what would they know? You know what I mean? Which, right, that's fair enough. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I'm kind of, I, I like to kind of challenge that. And I'm like, well, the reason why kind of people did it so much is obviously death, like their perspective of death is completely different where we have it now. Do you know what I mean? It's a lot more common and it was a lot more of a risk, you know? But also like, oh, well, I suppose in, in that's me speaking from a privileged position in our part of the world. But yeah, it's the whole idea of like, using the dead that they are beyond physical limitations you know what i mean they can like find lost treasure they can spy people they can hunt people but they can do kind of whatever do you know what i mean but i like the idea of like using that human element you know what i mean like rather than like having to talk to this being stuff like this alien being or whatever you're talking to something very human you know what i mean what do you, what do you the, the concept that they're using humans as a go between between gods that's Something that, again, it hadn't really crossed my mind as that's what they were doing. But it make when you think about it, it makes sense. Yeah, and it's it a really cool idea. More comfortable. Yeah. Um. So I suppose we'll talk about kind of practices of um. This is the fun part. So some of my experiences with necromancy and kind of just like general practices and stuff. So I suppose first off, a lot of necromancy like no matter what i mean kind of back in the day so your this would be talking about like before when it started medieval necromancy before it got mixed up with necromancy like specifically just talking to the dead um it'd be all about surrounding yourself with aspects of death um paired with different various um incantations so a good example i actually found in the encyclopedia of magic and alchemy by um rosemary guiley um so they kind of would use a lot of like basically anything goth just really goth like it's it's as you kind of think like oh like talking to the dead you're like oh obviously do you know what i mean like it's not it's not going to be that obvious but no it really is that obvious it is just what you think it is is literally just hanging around in a graveyard shouting at a gravestone <laughs> you know that's not what i did but that's basically what they what they did so like gathering stuff like black or stale foods around you, like stale bread, unfermented wine, kind of wearing the clothes of the dead person. Decapitating squirrels. I don't decapitate squirrels. You need to get that out of your head. Still don't. I still don't believe. That. Um, but yeah, wearing the clothes of dead people. Um, or sometimes even mutilating and giving the corpse a little bit of a nipple. You know, the whole decapitating squirrels. The whole idea of me ignoring that. The whole idea of like eating bits of the dead and that kind of makes sense if you think about it, like the whole idea. And I have not eaten dead people. I've eaten dead animals. Yeah, so it makes sense to me, sorry, going back to eating bits of the dead, you know what I mean? Like having, like we were talking about with that magician who took the, the bone, you know what I mean? To have that magical link so it's inside of you now. Um, so normally these kind of ceremonies would take place in graveyards or where people died and crossroads like we talked about and stuff. Um, well, it, Didn't you have allegedly have the head of a magpie or something? It was not allegedly. I could say that. I can say that. Um, oh, yeah, okay. a, yeah, a skull of a... It was a crow, actually. It was a crow. A skull of a crow. Yeah. We're going to come back to that because I'm going to talk about that. Not the same crow, but I'm going to be talking about dead crows a again. A different crow? Yeah, different crows. I don't kill crows. Um, 
That's the cap again. Squirrels and crows. Yeah, so like there's a lot of different, kind of a lot of different like traditions to choose from um, with necromancy. But with a lot of them for me, something that I notice is kind of about like asserting authority. Do you know what I mean? Like asserting authority or there's an exchange of some kind. Whether that exchange is like asserting authority like wrestling the draugr do you know what i mean or giving instructions specifically instructions and stuff like that um or if it's like giving some sort of offering do you know what i mean to the dead or like leaving something behind or or taking something there's always an exchange with most magic do you know what i mean but i think it's quite clear with necromancy it's one of the reasons i want to talk about it first to kind of um talk about kind of um my experience with necromancy so i suppose like i don't like i said i practice chaos magic so it means that i actually practice a bit of everything like ceremonial magic and all but a lot of the times when i'm doing like a a type of magic i try to find and i try not to make it like to be like cultural appropriation you know what i mean i do it within reason you know but like i take different some different examples of say necromancy from this culture you know what i mean some different examples of necromancy from that culture you know what i mean or or just from different magical systems and stuff and kind of like mix them up it to make it my own you know what i mean um so i suppose i've only really had two big examples of I have used it as fixione. I won't go into too detail about this, but I've made um, on I didn't didn't don't have lead right lying around, so I used a little bit of clay, um, and I had kind of a friend who will not be named, um, but they had a little bit of an injustice done to them, um, it wasn't a criminal thing. It wasn't actually that serious at all. It was just a kind of a bit of a social thing. Um, a social injustice, let's say, but I was basically, you know, synchronicities. I was walking around this graveyard, basically, um, and I came across a a grave, and it was actually a grave of an old judge, because it actually said on the gravestone. Cause sometimes they say if they're old yeah. enough, they'll say their occupation. Um, so I did a little bit of research on the judge, mainly to just what I could find on some of the records on like um Fingal County Council or whatever it was. I'm um, just to mainly find out if he wasn't a slave on or anything like that. But um I um then I made this defixione and I put it in the this grave and then it was like a day after um that friend kind of got an apology from the person who'd done them injustice and like they didn't really they didn't really like have any conceit why they're apologizing like it's they still kind of felt the same way their position on the argument but they um yeah they couldn't kind of explain and that was actually one of my first not my first instance of magic one of my first instances of like oh might be something to this you know what i mean it could be a a coincidence but still um now my other one which i did quite recently i used this is more kind of ceremonial magic. This is a bit more trippy. I was 
kind of, you know, I frequent St. Anne's Park a lot. And I was walking along and there's kind of this little area where there's, um, it's not, it's almost a crossroads. It probably was at some point, but one side of it leads to like a tree and another side leads down a path and then other leads back into the woods and then other bit leads into a bush. But in the middle of this kind of semi crossroads was just a dead, a dead crow, right? Just, you know, rotten there. It was, it was it probably, it was just all bones, few feathers. I saw this crow and I was kind of like, you know, the the podcast coming up. We're going to do, um, I think, a necromancy. So we're going to try do something a bit big here. So I kind of, I would recommend if you are going to do this stuff, don't use human bones. Do you know what I mean? It's illegal. <laughs> like, don't break into graves. Unless don't... you kill them yourselves. Yeah, just keep that to yourself. Yeah. Don't get us involved. Um, but if you're looking for advice, send an email to the hopeshelfpodcast.gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, how to bury a body. <laughs> how, how to <laughs> clean up dead bones. Um, but like I've obviously never I've never harmed anything, you know what I mean? Like an animal or anything. But other than squirrels. Leave stop. But it's poor squirrels. But look, animals are dead animals are easy enough to find. Just put a pair of gloves on, you know what I mean? Pick it up, just take a small part of it and then go home, dilute some bleach with some kind of hot water, like with just some lukewarm water and just bleach it and just clean it, you know what I mean? Just be careful, but like, it's much easier. I know a lot of people, I've had some people say to me like, oh, but Dara, it's an animal, you know what I mean? So you're not just going to like raise up the spirit of a crow and it's just going to be like, ah, ah. But my logic behind it is that kind of my belief, and this is all what magic is, it's making your belief reality. You know what I mean? Making your thoughts reality. Is that even if they're an animal, you know what I mean? They'll be able to speak because they're beyond the physical limitations of beyond their biological limitations. You know what I mean? It's like, why wouldn't it be able to speak? That makes sense to me. You know what I mean? But it's also for me, it's like we're all the holiday of, of um, dance macabre. We're all equal in the eyes of death. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or a man or a beast. We're all the same. So, yeah. So why wouldn't we, we all be able to speak? You know what I mean? Come back to the dead bones. Um, But at the time I was kind of researching for this podcast and stuff, I was you know, getting into stuff about ancient Israelite magic and um, Jewish mysticism, and I came across the idea of the incantation bowls, which I mentioned before. Um, and like they said, they'd be left in cemeteries to help the souls of the dead move on, and they could also be used to bind demons and stuff. Um, and then that's when I kind of thought, hmm, there's something uh, I can feel a plan forming. So, Lee, I'm gonna just hand you a little artifact here and i want you to describe what i've just given you to our lovely audience right so what i have in my hands here bowl. is a bowl with a chip massive chip taken out of it so imagine your bowl and then around the edge there's like a triangular chip taken out of it definitely a scalene it's a bit of dirt in the middle of it around the outsides we have some writing 
Nefus on one side and some markings. And we have a lot of symbols on the inside. In um that's his trademark silver marker. It is a silver marker, is it? And there's some stuff on the bottom as well. Yeah, so that's yeah. the incantation ball. I so in the middle of it is the writing around it, and I'll post this picture on the um Hogsell page. Um, I started off writing, so I wrote a incantation that I wrote, and I wrote it around the bowl, and with great difficulty. Um, but I wrote the he in Hebrew, and then I wrote it again, but I used um ancient Egyptian demotic script, which is like the the start of the first kind of pre-Egyptian language, um, and I got an ancient demotic um translator online. And I added demotic characters to the Hebrew, so it's a mixture of demotic and Hebrew. Um, so it's like I'm paying tribute to the fact that it's a kind of Hebrew idea, the in- incantation bowl. But also, like we said about the the fixiones and stuff, dedicating a god. So like, just as much you can use a, you basically using a god to get spirits of the dead. So I thought of a god. I'd been having dreams at the time, right? A lot of dreams that are kind of like about like boats and like lakes of fire and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, that reminds you of like the Egyptian Book of the Dead and like talking about the whole idea of the afterlife. And then that prompted me to kind of like read up on it, this kind of stuff. Um, And then I kind of found out about Nephthys, who is the Egyptian god of mourning, basically. Um, not mourning as in like morning, grieving. wake up sunshine, as in like grieving, being v sad. Um, so a little bit about Nephthys. She's the sister wife, um, of Set, both right. sister and his wife. Keep it in the family. Um, right. so Set's the god of chaos. Um, and. She her holiday is she was goddess of mourning and of household, um, and she guides the soul to the Egyptian afterlife, also known as um, Dua. The reason why I kind of chose her not just because I thought it was a cool idea, but also like her holiday is that she guides the spirits through the dangers of the afterlife. You know, um, and it's all about like mournfulness and the sadness but it's also kind of about like mourning and kind of embracing new beginnings but i kind of like the idea of like oh so if she's kind of like this benevolent benevolent guide i was like well maybe i could kind of ask her be like kind of have like an offering to her a homage to her and he'd be like like look i just could you bring back bring back one of your souls for me you know what I mean yeah, yeah. kind of like she's sort of like a she's not a fairy woman but in that kind of way do you know what I mean like taking them across the river um well the crow is probably still on the ferry what do you mean probably only recently dead yeah exactly he's probably still on the trip that's one way of looking at it and also crows in Egyptian mythology sometimes um or more so Egyptian folklore, it's not really, in some variety of Egyptian mythology, they're seen as the messengers of souls, you know what I mean? They're seen as 
the crows fly to the afterlife of souls. Actually, also there's a bird connection with this because Nephthys is depicted. You see on the bowl there, um, just on the back, there's a bad drawing of a hieroglyphic that's meant to be. So Nephthys is depicted as a woman with hawk wings and on her head she is holding a... um. On her head, she's holding up, like, a clay jar. That would be, like, traditionally, you have war clay jar or bowl, just like the bowl, and like an incantation bowl. Like, a, a bowl or a clay jar that would be, like, to collect water. But it's also, the, like, the little jar looks like a little house, too. Um, yeah. yeah, that thing there. Um, again, I'll post up these little pictures online. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Um, but yeah, there's a bird bird connection there too, because she has hawk, and also hawks are known. She has hawk wings, and hawks are known for their kind of mournful cries. So yeah, so I made the bowl. It was like a smashed up bowl, and I glued it back together. I'm like MacGyver. I'm like a magical MacGyver or something. Um, so I went to the park. Um, it was actually during Mabon, actually this this solstice. Um. I went on a harvest moon, dead of night. Um, went in, I did my lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram. Um, a circle of salt, kind of cleansed the area, staged the place up. And then I had, before that, previously I, before that, I had um, gone with the bowl, the incantation, and I'd buried it in that spot. Not too deep. It was actually that's why there's a chip nesting off because it was poking out of the ground. Um, but I buried it in the ground in this spot where I found the crow at the crossroads, right? And I came back about like um three days later. I think it was either three or four. But I had also buried with it the Nesetti sigil, which I'll also post on Instagram, which is one of the Icelandic staves used for night sitting at crossroads right so i placed that in with it too so when i went back after i had the circle of salt and all i dug up the bowl dusted it off and then my ritual kind of began so i placed the bone which was like the leg bone of this crow like little tiny leg bone i placed it into the bowl cinnamon which is a um a bit of cinnamon was burnt because that's also a big long history on um cinnamon and their connection to spirits. Um, wax of a black candle dripped onto the bone. I threw in some coins and stuff. Um, dark rum, and these are all kind of offerings to both the dead and to the goddess, to the Neftis. So about after an hour. Of me kind of meditating around this bowl. Now I'm in the the park on my own. Do you know what I mean? At night time. It's fucking scary. Yeah it is. Do you know what I mean? I, I can't confirm it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's dodgy like. But eventually I kind of hear birds moving in the trees. And like I've got just wind and stuff. Like that oral stuff. About 20 minutes later. There's a lot more cawing and flapping. There's a lot more birds. So I'm a little bit like. A little bit freaked out. But for me, magic is all about if you see something weird, it's not just to get freaked out. It's like to go beyond that. Like, keep on going, you know? Um, yeah, so I'm hearing all this calling and flapping and about kind of 
I started repeating it. I was like, right, something, that was a sign. Something's kind of happening now. So I started repeating the incantation in my head, which I had memorized off. Um, and just kind of mentally going over and over in my head. And I don't know how how long had passed. It was getting a bit cold, but I was just kneeling there repeating it. Um, started to get into a little bit of a trance. Now, I want to preface that I was completely sober and everything. I was in a complete sober state of mind. Um, and I kind of started to visualize this purposely, like kind of as I was chanting, I was trying to like visualize the goddess. But as I was doing it, it kind of formed itself. And I visualized this kind of steaming river. I couldn't really see anything. It was just steam, but I could see the water that like, it was like gray, whitish steam, but the water was almost like a metallic, you know what I mean? Like almost silver, kind of. And from this water emerged this really fucking tall, pale woman with gigantic hawk wings that were just spreading behind her, like with water just dripping off her. And she was carrying a little clay bowl on her head that looked like it had a little house, a little cute like door and window and stuff like that. And it looked like the, it was like dry clay, but like the wet clay at the bottom was like matted in her black hair. And her eyes looked like television static. Um, So she's kind of walking towards me in this sort of vision, I suppose. Um, Eventually, as I'm saying this mantra, because I'm, I'm thinking about this, I'm visualizing this thing. So the mantra starts to become a bit jumbled and stuff like that. I sort of lose concentration and stuff. Again, there's the use of barbarous words. I'm saying this mantra and becomes something else. It becomes like nonsense words, like magic words, you know. Um, then eventually, I open my eyes and then I I got the Nasetti sigil for the crossroads sitting and I burnt it into the bowl. And we'll talk about sigil work again. But the but basically the whole idea of like having this sigil, drawing a sigil, or or meditating with a sigil, and then like you're imbuing your will into it, and eventually when you get to the right moment, you're burning it, you're destroying it, you're doing something to it, and it's like a spark. Do you know what I mean? It's like the the spark that lights the fuse. You know, um. So I burnt it in this bowl, and it's burning away. I have candles around me and stuff, and then I put. I pour a bit of dash of rum in it and obviously the fire roars up and there's just smoke fucking everywhere, right? And then through the smoke, I see kind of a vague outline. Now, it could have been a tree or whatever, stuff like that, but I suppose kind of a vague shape um, and there's still an awful lot of cawing going on around me. Um, and I suppose... I'm like, I'm in a park. I just have this, I just buried a bowl and dug it back up again. Why not? Um, so I decided to question this crow. Um, yeah, and we had a, a polite conversation. He was very polite for a dead crow. Um, and I asked him how he died. And we just kind of got on. It was more like an exper- experiment more than anything. I didn't really have any... I didn't want to know any specific off of the crow. You know what I mean? Normally when I'm doing these things, there would be a reason for it. But this is more so an experiment for the podcast. Did he tell you how he died? Um, More or less, it was quite cryptic. Yeah. Sure. Um, 
but again, even if he was, it could just be like a a manifestation of my of my subconscious. That's another theory of magic. But um, he basically told me that he fucked up his wing, um, and he was just hopping around the park the whole time, and then he just got dehydrated, which I suppose that sounds pretty plausible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he was a little bit startled. Um, obviously he's not in some well a lot of summoning. There's a whole idea of like the conjurer. So I was within a circle of salt. Um, I had some stones actually that I found paste around it too, but um. The whole idea with summoning is that the magician's inside of a circle and then the magician or witch or whatever you want to call them is inside the circle and then the the spirit or whatever is outside but normally they're confined in like if it's the triangle of art for um demon summoning or whatever so they have to follow your commands. But this thing wasn't, this thing was just outside the circle so it was free to do what it wanted. Mm. But it meant me no harm and stuff. Um, but after our little conversation, I kind of, I dismissed it. Um, I buried, um, the bone and I kind of like got a bit of graveyard dirt. I, I should have mentioned it before, there's graveyard dirt in before. Yeah. Um, and I put it, I put out kind of remainders of the fire with the graveyard dirt and yeah, kind of went about my way so that was my experience with um summoning um brandon lee from the crow <laughs> good old brandon lee brilliant um but yeah i suppose like it is doable that is my that is my um kind of big working of it like but there's little ways of doing it like i suppose even starting off like go out to a graveyard and just collect a little bit of graveyard dirt it's not beyond it's not too weird to like i i suppose we all we all have everyone who listened to this probably has someone close to them in some capacity who has died and we've all talked to a grave before you know what i mean yeah so Maybe just, even if it's something you don't know, just ask them, like, or just tell them, or, like, show some sign of respect. You might take a bit of graveyard dirt, um, and treat that with respect, too. Don't just throw it in a tin, you know what I mean? Like, keep it somewhere as, treat that shit like a tabernacle, you know what I mean? Like, keep it in, like, a nice little box or whatever, you know? Be nice to your dirt. Go down to your nanny's grave and take some dirt. (laughs) Yeah, be a good lad and take some dirt from your nanny's grave. Guess we um, had an Easter. <laughs> if but, she's not dead yet, it won't be long. I do think there is kind of there's kind of that link going back to ancestor worship, going back to the very start, just kind of to top it all off. I do think that nowadays we have a very different. We kind of were afraid of death, you know what I mean? There's a morbidity about it, you know? So I find that in kind of modern society today, there's a lot of, um, you know, like death is sort of, it's viewed in a kind of morbid way and we're kind of afraid of it, you know what I mean? But I really like, 
I really admire cultures that sort of embrace the whole idea. They're not trying to deny death. You know what I mean? If anything, they're trying to remind themselves of it, you know? But I don't think that's necessarily... And I don't mean like, oh, you're going to die. You better get that car. You better get that job. Do you know what I mean? Like, not the, the inevitability about it, but in a more kind of almost hedonistic way. A lot of, so you'll see with a lot of ancestor worship and stuff like that in different, I don't know, like folk religions and stuff. Um, There's a lot of like, you know, you might go to your grave, to to your own grave. I mean, you might go to someone else. It's like that bit in Anchorman too, where <laughs> your man Brick turns up to his own funeral. I would do that. I turn up to my own funeral. I would have. Fuck that. I already oh. have a list of shit I need to do. Oh yeah, you fucking to fix the own, eh? Yeah. Fucking, I don't have time go to go to my funeral. funeral. Jeez, you are fuming about that, aren't you? I'd lose. I'd I'd be pissed. You look like you already are fuming. <laughs> You're not even dead yet. Because <laughs> you know that when if you die before me, I'm definitely. You fucking do some off. shit like that. Yeah. Go on, lay go. You do that, I'll haunt the fuck I don't care how many circles of salt you put around you. Ah man, it'd be salt everywhere. It'd be a salty gun. Be loud. I'll be a salty spirit, I'll be pissed. <laughs> but I'll just say Joe, I will I'll banish you. I'll banish you to the shadow to the shadow realm. Does that mean I don't have to do your shit then? <laughs> yeah, I suppose. There you go. So banish me all you want. Right, I'm glad we reached that agreement. But um yeah, you might go to like not your own grave, but like someone's grave and you might you know, you put a picture of them, you might put you know, their favourite football team or whatever, you know, like a jersey or whatever, like something they really like. Well, I like the idea of, and again, going back to ancient Egypt, we're talking about like your desert island discs, you know, like what are you taking to your afterlife? Taking your phone to heaven, you know? Yeah, basically to tie it all up, it'd be like bringing the holiday of the ancient Egyptians where you can bring your, um, you can bring like different things to the afterlife, you know what I mean? Like sometimes they used to have slaves buried with them, you know what I mean? So they could bring slaves with them. There's also the kind of the idea of like the symbolism of that, you know what I mean? Like their favorite football jersey and stuff like that, but also like the hedonistic side comes in, like give them their favorite cigarette. You know what I mean? Their favorite. That's why, like, Rome is always in um, associated with a lot of um, like giving offerings to the dead because it's like Rome's like a strong alcohol. You know Everyone what I mean? Everyone likes Rome. Uh, I don't like Rome, but um, <coughs> I don't like Rome. Why? Just I just don't like it. I'm not just mad any about, Rome. I'm just not mad about spirits. A bit drinking spirits anyway. <coughs> yeah, I'm just not mad about Rome. What's wrong with you? I don't know. I've been asking myself that for a long time. What kind of a person, eh? I don't know. I don't like Rome. Um, I don't I'm like sure, Malibu. I'm sure there's plenty. No. not like a pina colada. I just prefer a nice, quiet beer. Right? Is that okay? I'm baffled by this. Cup of tea. <laughs> right? Right. Um, but yeah, like, Rome, cigarettes, food and stuff like that because 
it's the things that the deceased people loved in their life. Do you know what I mean? It's stuff that represents the physical world. And it's kind of like, not only are you celebrating stuff that they like, do you know what I mean? You're celebrating the relationship between life and death. Because it's like, yeah, cigarettes might fucking kill us or whatever, or like drinking and stuff like that. I like that irony. There's stuff that it would eventually kill you, do you know what I mean? But it's like, we're here to celebrate being alive. You know, what I can imagine now is going back to our desert island of death. Mm-hmm. Is you're at that desert island bar, you're just sitting there, you're having your drink, and suddenly there's just a pack of cigarettes beside you. And you're like, "Fuck it out, cheers." Oh, little yeah. note says who says who was from. Yeah, exactly. You know, people sending you a gift. Um, but yeah, I really like the idea of like. It's kind of, it's an acceptance of death, you know what I mean? Like, partying at someone's graveside, or like, or like, I'm still talking about being respectful, but like, giving that kind of like, I think we as a culture, maybe as an Irish culture, just, we should adopt that more, and I'm not talking about like, having to put like, a packet of Johnny Blue on someone's uh, grave, or like, if... Well, I think that's a thing, though, already. Yeah, it can be. I mean, I go to my mom's grave. And I fucking like last Christmas. I went to my mom's grave. I had a can of you know the, you know how you can get the premixed drinks. Mm-hmm. I brought her of um a vodka and coke one, and I had a Jack and Coke one, and sat and had that with her. Yeah, and for like for my nanny's for my nanny's anniversary, I bring her a can of Guinness because she used to drink Guinness. Yeah, exactly, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's that. It's not just mournfulness. It's kind of like it's accepting that these people have gone on, but it's also like. Is accepting death in a kind of way. Do you know what I mean? It's accepting these people have gone on, but like recognizing like these are the things that why death is so important because we enjoy these things in life. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I really like that. I think it's really beautiful. And I suppose this episode is coming out on sound and sound, 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 sound. Yeah, this episode's yeah. gonna be today is sound. Happy Halloween, everyone. Happy sound. Happy Halloween. Um now's the perfect time to kind of you know, think about people who've passed on and stuff like that, but not even that, just think about like the relationship between life and death, you know what I mean? Think about like that. Things die but they're not necessarily gone, they're they it's kind of like animism, isn't it? Because it's kind of like, remember I was saying animism is the idea that everything has a soul, you know? Well, yeah, technically that's supported by science. I mean, it might necessarily be a soul, but everything's made out of the same atoms. It's like the first episode we talked about the broccoli. quantum the quantum broccoli. Yeah. Broccoli. I've been thinking about broccoli constantly Good. since that I'm episode. I'm glad I've destroyed your mind. And Dara knows that as well, because I just constantly send them pictures of yeah, broccoli right. or broccoli memes uh, niche we're, we're gonna we're gonna um ha- nurture a niche like meme community of broccoli memes broccoli yeah. um but oh, every time you see broccoli just think about your place in the universe yeah exactly that's what i do man that's why i'm a veggie um but yeah we're all made up of the same broccoli you know what i mean we're all made up of the same atoms and stuff like that and the same stardust and everything and when we die you know, we rot in the ground or whatever, we biodegrade, basically, we become compost, and we 
our kind of essence. It becomes energy. Do you know what I mean? It's the rule of the universe. Matter can't be created or destroyed. It's constantly like keeps on going. Do you know, so not in the way is kind of a an afterlife. Everything is a, is alive. The relationship between life and death is it's kind of beautiful because it's kind of like the the clockworks of existence. You know, what what do you want done with you when you die? Um. I don't know, I've thought about, like, being burnt, like, yeah. being cremated, and then just someone bring me to the woods and, and spreading me around, you know? Because then you, you, I'm covering a wider surface area that way. I wonder you... I originally wanted to be cremated, and, and like, it was definitely my idea. But in the last few years, I, this concept came, came to me, and I've, I've seen it around... I want to be buried, and I want a tree planted on top of me, and I want to feed Apparently that tree. Apparently, that's really expensive. You can do a thing where, like, they put your... They, they break you down into, like, a little pod, and then they plant the tree from... I want, I want an apple tree over me, and I want my grandkids to eat my apples. That way you live on your grandkids. I live on through the apples. But also, I love the idea of not just being an apple tree. Plant me in, like, an orchard, like... With, with like orchard thieves or like bombers or something make me into cider make my, make the fruit of my body into cider drink of my, <laughs> eat of my body drink of my blood if if you outlived me by say like 30 right. 40 years right and i i was buried in an orchard and you knew that i had been turned into cider would you drink that cider yeah man i think that'd be class what would your cider be called this is a business venture um don't know. Irish cunt. I don't know. It would have no. to be dead something. It would have to be dead. It would have to be something. Yeah, nanny's casket. <laughs> nanny's casket. Yeah, nanny's right casket. casket. We'll have to start an yeah. advertising campaign and everything. Like, I know you're not dead yet, but you might as well. This podcast is now sponsored by yeah, nanny's casket. Nanny's casket. Yeah, nanny's ca- casket. Holistic <laughs> cider. Lovely. Well, well on that note, on that note yeah. I, think I think that's the podcast. Um... Have a safe, ha- ha- um, nah, nah, nah. have a safe Halloween, everyone. Um, be safe out there. Don't, don't, don't eat too much sweeties. Don't. What are those ones? The you know? No, the banshee bones. Don't eat too many banshee bones. Uh, they'll rip them out off you. They will after about three or four packs. Like, you know, experience. you're just gorging on banshee bones. Actually, actually I, <laughs> I have in uh, when I was up uh, when I was up in Belfast on the way back. I went into a news agent and I found a like a massive bag of banshee bones. So I just ref, ripped through the whole bag on the bus home. Great, but my mouth was in bits. I still have cuts on the side of my mouth from them. Well, there's your public safety announcement from from yeah, Lee. Be yeah, be careful with yeah. your banshee bones. Never mind checking your sweets for razor blades. Check them for banshee bones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, be safe out there. Um, and remember your loved ones. Remember that the the veils of the other world thin. Um, and go out there and cause some pagan chaos. Yeah. But yeah. Down hunted it. Slan. Slan. So yeah, we'll um be posting all the stuff up on the 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 old web page. Yeah, keep an eye on our uh, Instagram, yeah, yeah. the Hocus Hall Podcast at, at Instagram. Um, and any podcast suggestions or anything, episodes, topics, or anything you want, you can email us at the Hocus Hall Podcast 
no, no, just just hocus whole podcast at gmail.com. Okay. If you put there in in front of it, you won't get us. You'll get someone there. And probably nobody, to be honest. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, give us an email if you have any feedback or if you have any ideas. Hocus Hole at gmail.com. Hocus at gmail.com. I'll get it right. Yeah, yeah we will. Um, yeah. Yeah. But email us there or at the Instagram. Um, and give us an old like and a follow. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Have a good one. Right, Happy Halloween. Halloween. As above. So below. Right, we done? Yeah, we're done.